is a special bonus edition of The Side Hustle Show. This is seven ways to scale a service business. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to The Side Hustle Show because you know you don't need to see the top of the mountain to take that first step, but sometimes it's helpful to be able to see around the next corner. And that's what this episode is about, the next corner in your side hustle journey, especially if that side hustle is a freelancing or a service business. As we've mentioned, scaling a service business can be one of the biggest challenges with this business model. In fact, it's a sticking point that keeps a lot of people away from freelancing in the first place. Like, why would I want to trade uh, my time for money in my side hustle? I'm already doing that for my day job. That's what I'm trying to avoid. But if your goal is to grow or even to just uh, avoid trading time for money your whole life, there are a lot of ways to scale a service business. I think it's a model that makes sense to start with because uh, number one, there's no overhead. You can literally start it today with the skills you already have. You just need to go out and find a client, somebody you can serve, somebody you can help. Number two is you don't need to spend weeks or months creating a product to sell uh, or spend money upfront sourcing physical product inventory you hope will sell. And third, you don't need a website, a logo, you don't need to worry about SEO or blog visitors or any of that stuff. It's an option that can get you to that money milestone quickly, those first side hustle dollars. And then you can grow and pivot from there if needed. This episode piggybacks on our conversation last week with Abby Ashley in episode 328, which was all about figuring out what service you could offer and how to connect with clients, as well as some ways to grow your service business. Definitely encourage you to check that one out if you missed it. And also wanted to let you know about the additional free training Abby's put together at thevirtualsavvy.com slash SHN. The official title is how to become a booked out virtual assistant, but the content applies to any flavor of remote freelancing, location independent freelancing. That's thevirtualsavvy.com slash SHN. But in this episode, I want to address the pushback that service doesn't scale, that freelancing doesn't scale. So I've got seven ways to scale a service business that I'll walk you through with some examples from real side hustlers and entrepreneurs who are making it happen and a lot of familiar faces from the Side Hustle Show archives in this one. Ready? Let's do it. The first way to scale a service business is to simply raise your rates. And I want to tell you about a side hustle that's close to home. This is my wife's photography business that she runs uh, with her friend on the side from her day job as an engineer. Now, in photography, portfolio sells. If you don't have the pictures to prove you're any good, it's going to be hard to land high-value clients, right? So to combat this, my wife, Bryn, and her partner uh, priced themselves ridiculously cheap, ridiculously low to get business when they were just starting out. They did their first wedding for $200. And that was split between the two of them. So they made 100 bucks each on this first wedding. And you're thinking like, you know, that that bride is taking a big risk because they say, hey, look, you know, here's pictures of our family and pictures of other, you know, hobby pictures that we've taken, but we've never shot a wedding before. So you, we understand you're taking a risk on us. And that's why the price is what it is. Today, they charge around $4,000 for a wedding. So that's a 20x increase in price for the same work, essentially. That's allowed them to scale up their income from the side hustle while working fewer hours, fewer events. So that's one way a freelance business can scale. 
The second way is going from one-to-one to one-to-many. And this, I've seen this work best in kind of like tutoring or coaching models rather than straight freelancing. Like, you know, the photography example would be tough. I'm going to I'm going to take your pictures, but I'm also going to take them for 20 other people at the same time, or I'm going to do freelance writing for you and 10 other people at the same time. Like that probably doesn't make as much sense, but there are a couple ways uh, to do this. So if you're working with clients one-on-one, is there a way to transition to a group model instead? So years ago, I remember this example from the archives. Um, it was Daniel Di Piazza. So he's working for 18 bucks an hour as a tutor for some big test prep company, some big tutoring company. And he was able to go solo, go freelance on his own to $1,000 an hour effectively when he started hosting his own test prep classes. He could cover the same material with 20 or 30 kids in the room instead of just one. And that exploded his effective hourly rate, exploded his income from that little business. Now, you might remember Nagina Abdullah from episode 210. She's the high-end weight loss coach for busy professional women. She started the business when she lost 40 pounds herself and had everyone asking how she did it. On the side from her day job in consulting, she began working with clients on an individual basis, and she charged really premium rates right out of the gate, 5,000 bucks for six months of coaching. And she reasoned that her clients needed that high price point for accountability. Quote, when it hurts a little bit to pay, people actually follow what you're saying. Quote. On top of that, she needed to make it worth her while. She's a busy mom. She's still working. She's got two kids. The business was still limited by the number of hours in the day, though. You know, she could realistically only work with a few clients at a time. That was all the hours that she had. So to continue to grow the business, she introduced a group coaching program called Spice Yourself Skinny. It included many of the same features of her one-on-one coaching, like meal plans and fitness routines and accountability, but it was delivered in such a way that multiple people could go through the program at once. So it was that group program, it was that transition from one-to-one to one-to-many that allowed Nagina to scale up her coaching business and really decouple her revenue from the direct time she spent with clients. We heard about a similar group coaching model from Paul Brody in episode 277, where he was uh, walking new authors through uh, a step-by-step program to publish their first book. So I think that works in a variety of different uh, verticals. The third way to scale a service business is to hire subcontractors slash build a team. And that's what Abby Ashley had done with her business. She talked about that last week on the show, creating a little mini virtual agency where she ultimately had four uh, subcontractors underneath her. She'd reached the limit of her own capacity. She still had more clients looking for help. So in response, she brought on, you know, these additional team members to do the work, effectively cloning herself. And then as the business owner, taking a percentage of the revenue. But think of the examples of Russ Perry's Design Pickle and Chris Schwab's Think Maids. Those were episodes 248 and 295 of the Side Hustle Show, respectively, and talked about graphic design services and a house cleaning business. Remember Russ's line was, I sucked at design. It was never about him doing the work. And the same thing for Chris. In two years, he'd grown the cleaning business to 60 grand a month in revenue without ever having vacuumed a floor or scrubbed a toilet himself. These businesses you know, they're not based on the business owner doing the work, but instead they're focused on the results they deliver for clients. This is something we talked a little bit about 
in last week's episode with Abby as well as Kai Davis uh, from episode way back 59 in the archives, um, who said, are you selling your time or are you selling results? Selling results has the obvious advantage of freeing up your ability to get the job done any way you see fit. If that means doing it yourself, fine. But if that means hiring some equally or better qualified people to do it, also fine. In my own painting business in college, I thankfully didn't do all the painting myself. Now, I probably did more than I should have, but I hired painters to help me deliver the work for customers. Your dentist is probably the best example of this in the world. The dentist like does work that only he can do. He's just in the back room waiting for somebody to come in with a cavity or a root canal. He's got people uh, taking the appointments, you know, being the receptionist in the office, doing the x-rays, doing the routine cleanings, billing the insurance... There's so much opportunity for delegation in your service business. And so I think there's, I always go back to the dentist example. He's like the world's best uh, delegator. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Method number four to scale up a service business is to create productized packages. And before you bring on a subcontractor, one model you might want to consider is the quote productized service model. And what that looks like is a given deliverable for a flat monthly price usually as in for a thousand bucks you'll get two blog posts a month or for two hundred dollars we'll come and cut your grass every week or you know for a hundred dollars we'll send somebody over to clean your house what that does is it lets a client focus on the result right out of the gate instead of focusing on you as the expert 
blog writer or lawnmower or house cleaner, the results are no longer tied to your hours. So even if you still want to do the work yourself, you can improve your hourly rate as you get more efficient at that service. Now, as a customer, I use a ton of these. Well, I use a productized service, just as one example, in my podcast editing. The owner of the company has long since delegated the editing of my show, but I still pay him the same monthly rate. And I'm happy to do it because I'm buying the result, not his specific style or audio engineering expertise. I trust that the team members he brings in are going to be equally well qualified. So that's method number four to create a productized service or a productized package. Method number five is to play matchmaker. So what happens when you've done all of this stuff? You've raised your rates, you've brought on subcontractors, you've productized your offering, and you're still booked solid. For John Doherty, in episode 273, he's uh, an SEO expert. He found himself in just that position, but came up with a creative way to get paid to turn work away. So he set up his own private list of friends and colleagues in the SEO space, people he trusted to do great work. And then he asked them if they'd be willing to pay him a finder's fee if he referred them a new client. Given that John's customers were used to paying a thousand bucks a month or more for SEO help, that was a no-brainer for them. That was an easy yes for those friendly colleagues to say yes to. Since then, John, um, as we talked about, actually doubled down on this kind of matchmaker business model, which you can check out at getcredo.com, C-R-E-D-O. So he and his team are going to do the work up front to learn about a business's specific SEO needs. And then he's going to make an intro to the agency or agencies that he feels is going to be the best fit for that business. If they ultimately close the deal, Credo takes a referral fee. Number six is a unique freelancing for passive income uh, affiliate or referral model that was introduced to me by my friend Wes Schaefer, the sales whisperer. His business was all about you know helping teams streamline their uh, sales processes, their systems, their workflows. And what that often involved was setting clients up with new uh, customer relationship management software, especially if their existing system was outdated or uh, non-existent. And Wes had years of experience in sales across a bunch of different industries, and he had the experience to recommend, okay, what's going to be the best fit tool for each business that hired him? And where the passive income part comes into play is that Wes had affiliate or reseller relationships with a ton of these different software services and CRM tools. So he can earn his sales consulting fee upfront, and then you can earn residual income, uh, referral income from uh, those new customers for signing up for a particular software that's helpful in their business. And over the years, this is what we talked about on uh, the podcast that we did with Wes, that passive element of Wes's business, a lot of these have recurring commission schemes, has become a substantial income stream. And it all just came from setting up clients with someone else's products and showing them how it was going to help them make more sales. I thought that was a really unique way to uh, scale up a, a service business. And that was number six. Number seven, our last one on the list, is to create a product. So while Wes was growing his business selling other companies' products on top of his own expertise and time, Alexandra Kennan grew hers by creating a product of her own. So Alexandra, you might remember from episode 193, she runs Urban Hiker SF. It's a tour company in San Francisco that specializes in urban hikes. She'd already employed several of the strategies 
listed here, including raising your rates, hosting group tours, and even hiring subcontractors to run the hikes. But there was still another way to scale. Alexandra had used the many different urban trails to explore San Francisco, but couldn't really find a great definitive guidebook to hiking specifically within the city limits. So compiling her notes from years of exploring every corner of the city, she wrote her own guidebook, Urban Trails San Francisco. It was published by Mountaineers Books in 2016 and features a full-color guide to more than 50 trails. For Alexandra, the book gives her a way to reach customers who don't want to go on one of her tours or can't afford to go on one of her tours. It represents a way to bundle up all of her knowledge and expertise in uh, in a particular area into a product that she can sell around the clock without her own direct involvement. She didn't start out with the intent to create a product business, but it was a natural extension of her service instead of done with you. In her case, here's the DIY version. Like, hey, you can go on these hikes by yourself. It also reminds me of uh, Matt Boknock from episode 160, one of my favorite episodes. Matt was doing motorcycle repair in his garage, but he had the creative and what I think really foresightful, if that's a word, uh, idea to film himself doing those repairs and started putting those videos up on YouTube for, you know, how to repair a specific problem on a specific bike. And what he ultimately ended up doing was packaging those repair videos into digital products that people could download and buy. And when we spoke, this was years ago, the digital product sales had matched or exceeded his time spent actually doing the repairs. And since then, Matt's YouTube channel has continued to grow and it's caught in the notice of some bigger companies. So that's led to some sponsored content opportunities and uh, and a ton more, which is really exciting because it all started with just turning wrenches in the garage. It's like we talked about, you don't need to see the top of the mountain, but it's helpful to see the next corner and you kind of never know what's around that next corner. Where is it going to lead? So to recap, that was number one, raise your rates. Number two, try to think from one to one to one to many. Number three was hire subcontractors or build a team. Number four was to create productized packages. Number five was to play matchmaker, think like John Doherty. Number six was to look for affiliate opportunities like Wes Schaefer did. And number seven was to create a product, either a physical product or a digital product. So I know I mentioned a lot of archive episodes in this one. I'll be sure to link those up in uh, the show notes for this episode for you at sidehustlenation.com slash scale. Once again, make sure you check out the episode from uh, last week with Abby Ashley. That was episode 328 on coming up with your service idea and connecting with those first few clients. Um, Again, 328 if you've got your podcast player handy. And I also want to invite you to check out the additional free training Abby's put together at thevirtualsavvy.com slash SHN. Again, the official title of the presentation is How to Become a Booked Out Virtual Assistant, but the content applies to any type of remote freelancing. That's thevirtualsavvy.com slash SHN. Now, I think you've got everything you need to get started with a service business, but if a little more structure and guidance would be helpful, I am an affiliate for Abby's paid course. It's exciting to see the testimonials piling up for that and the lives she's changing as a result. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.